It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. One for three. One for three or yeah, one and that's two? that's what I meant. One for three. Oh, one for three. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> USC, baby. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 689 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, March the 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of Raptors.com. For the month of March, please go to Raptors.com to check out my work over there. Lots of fun stuff, including the Raptors all-time greatest regular season performances uh, bracket, which you should check out. We're into the Elite Eight now. You can check that out on Thursday, probably around noon, lunchtime, that you'll be able to see that. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast it's very much appreciated also at locked on raptors on twitter for links to every single episode of the podcast if you've missed one uh and of course please make sure you're checking out all the stuff on the lockdown podcast network we are still going daily at least for the time being as sports are on hiatus which is a difficult thing for a daily sports podcast network but our hosts are making it happen a lot of creativity a lot of fun concepts for ideas and episodes out there so please make sure you're subscribing to rating and reviewing the shows covering the teams that you like and want to support it's very much appreciated appreciated when you go and do that and helps us through this very difficult time. All right, on today's show, it is Kyle Lowry's birthday, 34 years young for the heart and soul of the Toronto Raptors, the noted NBA champion, noted six-time all-star, noted possible future Hall of Famer, and obviously the heart and soul and the driving force behind the best era in Raptors history. And I thought, because there are very few things in the world that I miss more right now than watching Kyle Lowry play basketball, I figured I'd take today, his birthday, as an opportunity to 
to talk about him and all the things that we love about Kyle Lowry so much. And to do so, I am joined by a wonderful lineup of guests on today's podcast as we're going to run through each and every person who comes on the show's favorite thing about number seven, Kyle Lowry. On today's show, we're joined by John Gotis from RaptorsHQ.com. Katie Heindel's going to stop by of uh, this podcast all the time and Uproxx and all that good stuff. We've got Asad Alvi from uh, Mostly Slander Pods with Lou, with William Liu. We've got Robert Flom, who is a Chris Paul enthusiast and thus a Kyle Lowry appreciator as well, because if you like one, you like the other, most likely. And so he's going to come on, of course, from the now defunct Clips, Clips Nation, or at least defunct in my heart, and of 213 Hoops, which is a lovely site you should go and check out. And we'll talk to Robert about Kyle Lowry, too. Also, Iman from the Editions and Dimes podcast is going to stop by, too. Lots of fun. So we'll get into all of that on today's podcast and uh, just hear what everyone else thinks of Kyle Lowry and what they love about him most. So let's get to it. The first guest on today's show is John Gotis from Raptors HQ. Here we go. All right, joining me now on the Kyle Lowry's birthday edition of Locked On Raptors. I guess that's what we're calling it. It is our pal from RaptorsHQ.com. Uh, worked the 905 beat quite a bit for Raptors HQ this year as well before that all went to hell. And uh, we have him on the podcast every, every now and then to talk about some fun stuff. It's John Gotis. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, you know, just uh, doing the thing, hanging in as everybody else is. I, I finally relate to Zach Lowe's uh, go-to phrase of hanging in because, man, this is the ultimate hanging in for sure. Um, also hanging in has been Kyle Lowry for a very long time in a very profound and good way. He's been amazing for the Raptors for, what, seven seasons now, eight seasons? I don't even know what what, what the number is at this point. It's been a lot of years, and he's been excellent for pretty much the entirety of it. And, of course, the Raptors' rise pretty much is tied to when Kyle Lowry became the number one guard on the team. You had DeMar DeRozan next to him, but Larry was always the driving force. And so my question to you, John, as is for everybody on the podcast today, what is your favorite thing about the birthday boy, Kyle Lowry? Uh, well, I mean, you can go a lot of different directions. I'm sure a lot of people are going to talk about, you know, what I think about when I think about Kyle Lowry, which is mostly just that he was kind of, you know, being a Raptors fan, there's like this, there's always been this arc of players and you know I'm coming up on 30 years old so I've been a fan long enough to know like I got in at the wrong time you know like you did that the team sucked <laughs> for a really long time and like you had these player arcs where they would come in and you would wait for them to get better and kind of realize that you know that winning arc where it would crest and they would win in the postseason not necessarily win a championship but just like become a winning team and for so many years like those players you know reached at some point in their crest and then they left right like you had Chris Bosch left in 2010 and you know you could go on and on with these guys but I feel like when I think about Kyle Lowry I think about the fact that he was one of those guys where he came in from Houston was a backup point guard uh, a malcontent with coaches uh, not necessarily somebody who was looked at as like the future of the franchise and you got to see him grow over the span of seven or eight years into you know, one of, if not the smartest player in the NBA for at the point guard position and like a the best player in franchise history for my money and a champion. So you get to see the arc kind of from the beginning to the end. I think that that's so rewarding as a fan. You know, those legendary players are the guys who spent their entire careers with one team. It's why, you know, it hurts to lose a guy like Kobe Bryant and why, you know, Dirk Nowitzki is such a revered player. Obviously, Kyle didn't spend his whole career with the Raptors, but that's what I think about is you got to see the whole arc with him from 
you know, playing with a losing team to getting better after the Rudy Gay trade, uh, having those years in the postseason with DeMar DeRozan, and then finally uh, winning a championship and putting it all together. Yeah, it's not all that dissimilar from, you know, the the Chris Bosh or the Pascal Siakam or the Vince Carter arc, right? Where, yeah, he came in later on, but really his ascent as a player began with the Raptors, and we saw that entire arc, as you mentioned. And honestly, like, this is my favorite thing about Kyle, too, is, like, the poetry of his arc with the team, where it starts out, he's got that first wonderful season once he takes the job over a full-time from Jose Calderon, who was traded the season prior for Rudy Gay, and you see 2013-14, after Rudy Gay gets traded, Kyle Lowry takes over, and it becomes his team, and he becomes the heartbeat that he still is today. And you have the the playoff disappointments. You have getting blocked by Paul Pierce, which will never be out of the minds of Raptors fans, I'm sure. You have the just, like, complete... I don't even this disappearance just like fall apart due to injury. I don't know what it was in 2015 against the Wizards and then coming back around and you have the the you know the emotional emo shooting session after game 1 against the Heat in the 2016 playoffs. You have him with game 7 against the Heat bookending that series in a really poetic way, getting them into the conference finals. He's got those big games in the conference finals too and then for him to be the guy that took the bull by the horns, as it were, in Game 6 of the Finals and had those 11 points to start out and really sort of decide, nope, I'm winning this thing tonight. And for him to be the star player on, on, a, on a team where obviously Kawhi was the main guy and the main reason they got there, but for Kyle Lowry to have that moment in the game where you know Kawhi was just fine in Game 6 of the Finals but wasn't incredible or anything like that, for Kyle to stand out, I think that was the most possibly fitting end we could have to that sort of arc. And now we're into this sort of like... Epilogue, I suppose. Uh, epilogue? Pro- epilogue's the one after, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not falling apart in my brain at all in quarantine. Everything's good. Um, but, like, you have this wonderful epilogue now, right, where he's playing out this season with, like, no reservations whatsoever. He has some of his best games ever as a Raptor this year as well. And he's just really bookending everything in a wonderful, wonderful way. He still might have another season as well, or, or five. I don't know. <laughs> we still don't know how it's going to end, and we don't know what you know holds for his future after this contract. But I just—it's uh, such a satisfying story, and for it to be, you know, all culminated with that title is just uh, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, you you talk through some of the moments there, uh, going from you know 2011, 2012 to now. And I think it is just like he is our Kobe, he's our Dirk. Like it's the it's the having the entire arc of losing and like the hero's quest and all that stuff. Like he's he's just that type of player. And for the Raptors, for the average Raptors fan or for anybody who's followed the team from the beginning, I mean, they really the team has never had a player like that who's been able to see it out from start to finish. You know, Vince Carter was almost that guy, but the shot missed, and then there was the years where he didn't really want to be there. And uh, it just didn't fully come to bear until Kyle Lowry, which is what's so cool about being able to follow his career. And he's just like a fun guy to follow as well. Like he's got a great personality. Like he's funny. Um, Yeah. 
Totally. He also kind of evaded like that that sort of sad ending with the team that a lot of other stars have had, right? Like it seemed like in the summer of 2017 he was kind of on his way out uh, before no teams really stepped up to pay him because apparently they're stupid. Uh, <laughs> I hope the Wolves enjoyed Jeff Teague, um, and like I was pretty like convinced he was he was gone too. It was just you know all the the reporting. I remember there was like a Bruce Arthur story that came out, and my heart just sank reading it. And, you know, a month and a half after the playoffs were over, that was when he left with the injury in the middle of the second round. Uh, you know, a, mo- a month later, things kind of seemed to be smoothed over a little bit, and he came back, and it was such a relief to see him back. But uh, it, it almost did not end as poetically and nicely as we would have liked. It was almost another extremely Raptors story. So glad it didn't happen that way. John, thank you so much for uh, coming on and chatting about Kyle Lowry with me on this, the day of his birth. Uh, do you have anything you would like to plug? No, I think we're pretty status quo right now, but I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone else has to say and uh, hope everyone's safe and well out there and staying inside. And hopefully this is an enjoyable listen. I can't wait to hear what everyone else has to say. Thanks, buddy. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, our second guest on the Kyle Lowry Birthday Appreciation Podcast is maybe the most staunch Kyle Lowry defender on the internet that exists from the Dishes and Dimes Podcast. It is Amon. Amon, how are you? How are you? I'm wonderful. It's Kyle Lowry's birthday. How could I not be wonderful? As terrible as everything is outside, I just get to think about Kyle Lowry, (laughs) and it's nice. Um, So the question on everybody's minds today, or at least my mind and nobody else's, but maybe it's everybody. I don't know. Uh, What is your favorite thing about number seven, Kyle Lowry? Um, Everything? (laughs) Honestly, it kind of is. Like, he's, he's been my favorite player not just raptor but he's been my favorite player since the minute he became a raptor and it's i think it's it's a mix of everything i think for the longest time and this is no disrespect to chris bosh or um demar Rosen or even like <laughs> andrea bargnani but uh, honestly since vince left i'd never really felt a connection i never really cared for the best player on the team or the franchise player of the team you know that doesn't mean they're not good like chris bosh was obviously a very good player but i was always a fan of amir johnson or Anthony Parker, or Holy Calderon, or just one of the other guys, especially, you know, the, the, the old saying about Toronto Raptor fans, or just Toronto sports fans in general, liking a blue-collar guy. <laughs> I was always more of a fan of, like, that, that Amir Johnson type. And when Kyle came, he was the star, he was the best player, and he was also that blue-collar, like, grinded out, like, going to take charges, going to go for, like, loose balls, would dive on the court. He was essentially the anti-Andrea Bargnani in a lot of ways. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they both wore the same number, but um, very different. I don't think I've ever seen Andrea Bargnani dive for a loose ball, um, certainly not take a charge. And so just that that mix of both those things, everything that I loved of, about an Amir Johnson, but in a star player, I think made me the biggest Kyle Lockett that is such a good way of putting it, like the Amir Johnson yeah. comparison, but also being like a straight up star. Uh, that That is perfectly put. 
What is your your reaction when Kyle Lowry takes a charge? I feel like we all kind of have our own different visceral reactions when that goes down. What happens in Amon's house when Kyle Lowry gets in front of a dude, takes a charge, sometimes points at him and laughs? Uh, what What is your reaction? <laughs> I'd love to say that I get excited, but at this point, it happens so often that I just wait for it. Like when the fourth <laughs> comes, I'm like, it's gonna happen. Like there's no, it's like him hitting a three in transit. Like. I think I get more excited now at this point in his career when I see him hit like a pull-up three in transition than I do when I see him draw a charge because I'm expecting it at this point. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. The the charge is pretty much like his most common play, which is amazing yeah. and terrifying at the same time. I'm always worried he's going to like hurt win. himself. Yeah, yeah, I do win, especially if it's like, like I don't know if you watch, but the, um, the NBA Twitter account and YouTube account put up Game 7 and I saw him draw a charge on Joel Embiid, and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, like, and you see, like, LeBron, like a freight train coming at you, and you know that Kyle's going to stand there, and he's the smallest on the court. I, I do cringe a little bit, just for the sake of his body. Well, at least he has the other thing that I'm sure most Raptors fans would say is one of their favorite things about him, and that's that big old ass that uh, <laughs> allows him to uh, absorb those blows better than most. Iman, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. Thanks it was great to me. chat with you. It's a shame that I'm a dumbass and haven't had you on the podcast more, but we will make a habit of it going forward. I'd love to be on. Here awesome. Dishes and Dimes, check it out. It's great. Iman, thank you so much. Please we'll talk it, to you soon. Thanks. Our third guest on today's show, all devoted to Kyle Lowry on his date of birth, is one of our favorites, a regular on the podcast from Uproxx, Basketball Feelings, all over the place. It is Katie Heindel. Katie, what is up? Happy birthday, Kyle Lowry. I, right? It's yeah. that, It's like a nice thing to be excited about. Uh, I'm not sure he's thrilled to turn 34, but I also can't imagine he cares much for the stigma attached to moving into your mid-30s. I think he's probably just fine. And so, uh, I uh, yeah, I hope he's having a good day. I hope he's enjoying Legos with the children, as we've detailed, <laughs> or I'm sure is exactly what he's doing at home. Um, my question to you, Katie, what is your favorite thing about the birthday boy, Kyle Lowry? This is tough. It's really tough to narrow it down, but I think, I mean, and I'm not trying to scoot the question, but I feel like that's sort of the nuance and almost like beauty and maybe like mysticism a little bit of Lowry is that he, since like the time we've gotten to know him and like he's been on the, this team, his his evolution has been constant. Like he's not a player that has ever stayed the same or like we've gotten to know him but every year I feel like with every different team and though all the different roles he's played we've gotten to know like a different side of him like we've gotten to know him as like you know a best friend like to Damar we've gotten to know him as like kind of a co-pilot like a second in command to Kawhi and now we get to know him as like a leader and kind of this like really gregarious and like generous and like very caring like kind of dad figure mm-hmm. to a lot of the players um i think i think so i guess i would say probably f- to all of that there's like this willingness that he has but more than that i i think i must love like the ability in kyle Lowry and like in what he's able to show kind of being able to to cycle through all those roles like he's not someone who's afraid to to grow in real time and like to show that that's really well put. I think I'm totally with you. That's one of my favorite things about him, too, is that he is so team first and so 
hell-bent on winning at all costs, that he has never had any sort of issue with altering his role and changing the way he plays. And even after he was aggrieved after DeMar DeRozan got traded, he, you know, I think recognized the opportunity that was there. As much as he was upset and and sad to see his pal go, I think he realized, damn, like, we have a, a legitimate shot to win something here with Kawhi. Let's make the best of it. Let's let bygones be bygones. Let's not, like, blame Kawhi for... The, the moves the front office made, and he made the best of a situation that I don't think he was, like, fully on board with to begin with, but the fact that he and Kawhi seem to forge such a bond, it just, I don't think it's, like, a coincidence that anyone who's a co-star with him, whether it's Pascal, his beloved, uh, her OG nowadays, or, uh, you know, Kawhi, DeMar DeRozan, it just doesn't seem to matter it seems like he's just got that kinship with everybody, and it even goes to the bench, the bench guys, right? It's it's Serge Ibaka. Like Serge Ibaka is having a career season in, in large part because Kyle Lowry is just so in tune with Ibaka and is able to set him up and able to get him going. And it's never about Lowry first; it's about everybody else first. And then one of my favorite things about him is when he really senses that it needs to be about him, he can just do it. And it's like, all right, I'm driving to the basket and getting free throws now after setting everybody else up for a long time and they missed some shots. So it's my turn. Um, that, that just sort of the, the versatility of roles with him. It's something unlike, I think we've seen with many players in the league in history, really. I mean, most guys are kind of pigeonholed into the one thing that they do and the one role they have on the hierarchy. And unless it's like a super team situation, they never really change that. But Kyle, it seems like every single season like you said is able to alter up what he's doing and and totally just embrace whatever the team needs from him yeah and I think like what can kind of get lost in the shuffle and what we what I think the ways that Lowry maybe gets overlooked um when like it comes to league rankings or just like even when people like off the top of their head might list like the best point guards in the league now or for like consistently for like you know the last five years it's like people like Lowry who kind of have that knack as you said to really have really make it so the people around them shine like have that because they are such good leaders and such good judges of characters and like situations as we know of him on the court is that they can kind of pick up on what people's best qualities or maybe like hidden qualities hidden talents are and really figure out ways that they're going to have opportunities to use them and like use them in the best scenarios mm-hmm. um, that's going to give them the most like success, you know, and the most shine. And I think that's just like, that's a quality. Like we talk a lot about point guards as like leaders on the court and as much as like what they can get out of people and what they can sort of like see three steps ahead. But it's a lot, it's a lot different. I think to be, what I think is like such a preeminent judge of character that Larry is. But again, I I honestly feel like that comes down to just like his generosity and his care of those like in his orbit. That is uh, wonderfully put, Katie. Thank you so much for jumping on today to talk about your favorite thing or things or like untouchable, un, un sort of describable thing about Kyle Lowry. It's uh, there's a lot. There's multitudes to him, and it's uh, why he's so so near and dear to the hearts of every Raptors fan. Katie, thank you so much for coming on. Anything you would like to plug right now? Thanks for having me. No, um, I, I don't think so. I just think everybody could take a lesson from Lowry, uh, and just look out for everybody right now. Absolutely. Thank you, Katie. We'll talk to you uh, probably on like Friday this week. We'll talk to you very soon. Have a good one. You too, buddy.
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we've been pretty Raptors fan heavy so far on today's Kyle Lowry appreciation episode, so I thought I would bring in an outside perspective, somebody who has often agreed with me on pro-Kyle Lowry rhetoric on the internet and uh, is often espousing the the virtues of Kyle on his own without any sort of encouragement from me. Uh, From 213 Hoops, it is Robert Flom making his third or fourth appearance on the show. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good as as good as can be honestly considering the whole you know uh, global pandemic we're going through but uh, always always down to talk Kyle Lowry how are you doing uh, I'm good too man uh, you know everything else sucks but Kyle Lowry does not and so uh, <laughs> we will talk about him to make ourselves feel better until we're blue in the face so I, I'm interested in sort of where you came to appreciate Kyle Lowry because I think a lot of Raptors fans kind of feel as though they're, like, the only part of the choir that's converted. You know what I mean? Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're, like they're, yeah. they're, I think it's kind of a thing where if you watch him every day, you can kind of pick up the little, you know, things that he does that don't necessarily come up on a box score that, you know, regular people who don't watch every game might not see. And you come to appreciate Kyle in a whole new way. So I'm curious for you, what is your favorite thing about Kyle Lowry and how did that come to be? My favorite thing about Kyle Lowry is his resemblance to Chris Paul. Right. Uh, <laughs> because as a Clippers fan, um, so I'll explain kind of backwards, is that, uh, you know, there was a whole uh, Raptors and Clippers similarity thing going on, especially in the middle part of the decade when Lob City was really struggling to get over over the hump and, and kept disappointing the playoffs. And the Raptors, as we know, were having similar difficulties with the DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry core. Uh, and really, I started watching more Raptors games. They're also on national TV a little bit more, you know, in the playoffs. And Kyle Lowry's just the way he plays is, is very similar to Chris Paul. There are big differences between them, too, of course. You know, Chris Paul has his little elbow shot. Lowry, you know, much more prolific three-point shooter. Um, you know, probably a little bit grittier defensively, though both of them are excellent for smaller guards. But really just the overall style, the way they play, the way they act on the court is very similar uh, Chris Paul is, is probably one of my favorite basketball players of all time. Uh, I still kind of can't believe I got to watch him play basketball for six years as, as a member of the Clippers. And Kyle Lowry is just as fun to watch. He's just so smart, you know. And I think as somebody with, you know, I'm very undersized. I have no athletic capability. So any <laughs> basketball talent I bring is through knowing how to play and knowing, like, where to be on the court and, and being able to make some nice passes. And, you know, uh, I just I like seeing that from Kyle Lowry um, and also Chris Paul. And yeah, Kyle Lowry is just awesome. Like, he's he's just great to watch. Yeah, it really is like the brain genius shit that I love about Kyle a lot. Right. Like it's just he, he's always arguing with refs and always sort of pointing out things that are wrong. And it's usually because he's right, because he's yeah, a basketball yeah. savant and will do these things. You know, these little timing things and, you know, stepping in for charges and little sort of inbound things where it's like, oh, yeah, like people don't often think to roll the ball up the court. But Kyle realizes, oh, this just means there's extra time on the clock for us to run the offense in the half court. Obviously, I'm going to do this. This feels elementary. (laughs) Uh, And there's lots of things like that where 
He just sees the game at such a ridiculous level, and I agree. It's very much like Chris Paul. I, too, have been a Chris Paul fan. It's kind of funny. Like, I think Raptors and Clippers fans have this kinship because, and, you know, it's strange considering what happened last summer with Kawhi, but, you know, in terms of the Chris Paul thing, Mm -hmm. it's like Chris Paul has been derided a lot for his inability to get through in the playoffs and, and, and shit like that and has often been a guy who people don't like because he yells at referees and stuff. But I love that stuff. He's a genius. He will point out if a guy's jersey's not tucked in because he's incredibly smart and just like on another level. And I think that stuff rules. And I think that's a big reason why Clippers and Raptors fans have a shared love of both Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry. Um, it, it's just a, it's just that brain genius stuff, man. Like I said, they're just absolute freaking savants out there. And uh, they're just super fun to watch. Do you have like a favorite Kyle memory or game or anything like that? It's tough. Um, you know, I think Game Seven against the Heat back in what year was that? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. That was that was a pretty great Kyle Lowry putting an end to the the doesn't perform in the playoffs, um, which I think was always a little bit overstated. Yeah, he's had some difficulties, but. Um, you know, he was never as bad as DeMar, uh, who really, really struggled in the postseason. And I thought that game was just a really good encapsulation of what made him so good. Um, just really doing everything. Um, you know, obviously some of the finals games and, and Eastern Conference games from last year's run uh, demonstrate that as well. But I think that one was just really, I, I think any complaints about him not performing after that were a little, you know, a little false. Mm-hmm. Um, because of how good he was in that game. And I really didn't like those Heat teams either, so watching him put them away was was even better, really, because I was rooting for the Raptors that year. I wanted somebody to dethrone the Cavs. Didn't like those Heat teams. Uh, and overall, I mean, he was just he was fantastic in that game. Really, you know, just made sure that the Raptors won. Um, and again, just all the little things, as well as, you know, demonstrating some of the scoring. And, you know, one thing that I do think is underappreciated about him is how good of a three-point shooter he is. You know, he, he was one of the first guards to start taking a lot of off-the-dribble threes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not as many as Dame or, or Steph, of course, but really up there. And his ability to do that and stretch the defense out was was really good. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of my go-to Kyle Lowry game, especially for people who, again, complain about the postseason disappointments. That's an extremely good choice. He whipped ass in that game, uh, <laughs> as he does a lot of the time, and it's why we love Kyle Lowry. Uh, and another part of the thing that is fun about Kyle, too, is that it really is like a litmus test, I think. Like, people's opinions on Kyle Lowry really tell you if they're smart and know about basketball or not, I think. And I, I've had, like, uncles in the past who have been like, Kyle Lowry sucks, and then I'll scream at them for an entire Thanksgiving and ruin Thanksgiving for everyone who's there. And then, you know, he comes back around when the Raptors go on to win the title and Kyle scores 26 in Game 6. And, you know, he's like, yeah, you were right about Kyle. He rules. And it's nice to watch people get converted, which has been a nice thing about this season after winning the title and sort of going through this like really fun season for the Raptors, seeing the sort of wider basketball audience kind of get wise to how rad Kyle Lowry is has been really, really fun as well. Uh, Also rad was talking to you, Robert. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Do you have anything you would like to plug? Uh, Not really. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty quiet times for the NBA. Uh, I might actually be doing a retrospective on the Lob City Clippers and just kind of trying to place them in, in the broader history of the NBA as well as the Clippers franchise since I got time and I got nothing really to write about, you know, as of current affairs. But no, I don't, I don't really have too much else going on. But uh, yeah, always, always down for some Kyle Lowry talk. So thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. He's Robert Flom at Rich Homie Flom on Twitter, correct? 
Yep. Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon, man. Have a good one. And my last guest on today's episode, devoted entirely to talking about how rad Kyle Lowry is, is a man that you know from uh, many a slander pod over on the Raptors Over Everything podcast. He's been on this podcast before as well. Uh, noted guy who counts his pickup game stats. It's Asad Alvi. What's up, man? I'm doing well. How you doing, Sean? I'm good. How are you doing unable to uh, count your pickup stats in the time of social distancing? Oh, it's been pretty brutal, but I have been doing dribble drills at home. I was Sergio Baca, you know, just trying to trying to get that left hand right. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's been pretty brutal. Uh, uh, you know, it's tough. You don't like realize how much it affects you, like just like your regular routine and not being able to do those specific things. But yeah, it's a little tough. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but you know, gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, man. Uh, we'll get through it, and we'll get through it by talking about Kyle Lowry on his birthday. Uh, Let's go. And so, yeah, the question that I've been asking every person on the podcast today, and I will ask you now, Assad, you've watched Kyle Lowry a very long time. What is your favorite thing about Kyle Lowry? I think, for me, like, when I watch Kyle Lowry, especially when I watch him play basketball, like, the most, like, my favorite thing about him is just, like, the like the little details like he has this dogged relentlessness to his game which is just like like though just the simple things like how he controls the pace of a game mm-hmm. like you'll see every time like the ball goes through the hoop he grabs it instantly rushes it to a ref get the clock going pushing ahead that extra second like when he makes that bounce pass off a of pick and pop or a pick and roll and it's just like a half second early or it's just offbeat by that little bit like, those are the things in his game which always just bring me, like, so much joy. Like, I just start giggling watching it because I'm like, wow. Or the way that he'll angle a drive where he'll get a guy on his shoulder and then it's like, oh, now I can just, you know, go into a little hook shot or a layup because I've already got all that space. Um, and it's just, like, the ability that he has to basically put together, like, three, four, five, six, seven consecutive smart decisions in the span, mm-hmm. which is just like, wow, I can't even believe somebody did that. Like, those are the things that just absolutely, like, that, those are my favorite things to watch when I watch Kyle Lowry play. Yeah, those are all really good things. And I think, like, there's this question that's floated around, like, how has Kyle Lowry maintained this level of play into age 33 and now 34? And the answer is that he does, uh, like, insanely smart stuff. He makes great decisions. That stuff ages incredibly well and probably gets even better with age. And then he's also really good at just, like, small guy bullshit like you mentioned when he's like around tall dudes and how no one can block his shot because he just like nudges them out of the way with his ass and shoulders and then has like an angle to to get the ball up around a brooke lopez or a rudy gobert or whatever other man can't who can't block his shot and like that's the key that's the secret to why he's lasted so long there's a reason that like other small point guards like Isaiah Thomas or other guys like they kind of wear down when they don't have their physical gifts at, at, at peak ability anymore is because they don't see the game the way Kyle does and like that stuff's going to age so well I am so fascinated to see what like 37 year old Kyle Lowry is because I'm sure he'll still be playing as like a backup point guard on a good team somewhere hopefully with the Raptors until late in the decade um, but like I don't know. What do you imagine 38-year-old, 37-year-old Kyle Lowry is going to look like? Will he just be like Andre Miller 2.0? Uh, honestly, I've been catching a lot of flack on Twitter today because I said something a little while last night and, you know, caught the waves. But to be completely fair, I think, like, Kyle could easily play to, like, 37, 38, and his game would be very similar to, like, you know, old Steve Nash, mm-hmm. where it's just like you have a guy who is constantly making – and while I was watching, like, I watched that 
Nash Kid game that they showed, or the NBA showed yesterday. And I was just looking back at Nash footage, and I realized like a lot of what Kyle does is like very similar to Nash. I know a lot of times people want to compare him to Andre Miller or Chauncey Billups, but he has a lot of Steve Nash in his game, just the way he moves and where he times his passes, how he uses his bounce passes, how he uses his angles. And especially like what Steve Nash did was like the Suns, they played at a pace, you know, fast compared to their time, but not fast compared to now. But the Raptors also lead the league in pace a lot of the times. When Kyle Lowry's on the floor, their pace is cranked all the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's just really nice to see just someone who has such a good sense of the speed of the game, like in control. And that's what I see from Kyle Lowry. Was he might only play like 20 to 25 minutes a game maybe at 37, but it's just 20 to 25 minutes of just smart decision-making where your offense is just humming every time he touches the ball. So that's, that's the things I love. And going back to like the little thing he does one of my favorite little things like watching all these like pass highlights is if you see Kyle Lowry drive or on a fast break driving into the paint against a big man and then passing off as soon as he dishes off the pass he'll just like barrel in to the help defender that's supposed to go there yeah. so if it's a big guy he gets hands on him he gets like a body into him whatever it is and it's just a little cheeky push but it buys that extra second for you know someone like Kawhi to dunk all over Giannis <laughs> That is the beautifully understated part of that entire sequence is Kyle's screen and just like, again, small guy bullshit that opens up the lane there for Kawhi. Uh, And it's one of the best plays in Raptors history and Kyle's fingerprints are all over it, even though he's not the guy capping it off, which kind of is fitting, I suppose, for Kyle Lowry. And the Nash thing makes a lot of sense, too. Like we just talked about how he's very similar to Chris Paul, but I think especially last year when he took on that playmaking role and just kind of let Kawhi do his thing as the number one option and Siakam stepped up as the number two, like he averaged like 14 and nine. Like that's peak Steve Nash numbers. Like, and like, it was just him like gnashing the pick and roll. I mean, he literally does it all the time. He gnashes the pick and roll and he just like walks through the trees and waits to find an easy bounce pass to a cutter. And it's just, it's beautiful stuff. And the fact that Kyle Lowry sort of embodies all these different guys, like Paul and Billups, like you said, and uh, as Iman said earlier, Amir Johnson and also Steve Nash, it just kind of speaks to the many multitudes of his uh, incredibly fun game. Assad, thank you so much for coming on, man. This was a lot of fun. Thank you uh, for all of your slanderous tweets and your podcast appearances with Will. And where can people check you out? Uh just check me out on Twitter. I'm always there. Um, if I ever hop on a Yahoo Sports podcast, you can see me there, Yahoo Sports Canada, if I'm ever on there. But uh, just follow me on Twitter. Right now, uh, me and Will, every time we have a free night, we quit stream a Raptor game um, on 2K. It is not great. We're not good at 2K. Uh, <laughs> but for some, for some weird reason, people sit down and watch. Um, so feel free to join in, slander us. Um, last night, we played Lakers versus Raptors. Um, and... It just happened to be past midnight, which is why, if you go check my feed, you can see it. Kyle Lowry hitting a game-winning shot after Pascal Siakam gets a steal off LeBron. Beautiful. Happy birthday, indeed. Assad, thanks so much, man. Be safe and have a good one. You as well, Sean. Take care. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Big thanks to Assad, Iman, Katie, Robert, and John Gotis for jumping on the show today. Much appreciated and always good to talk about Kyle Lowry, who you know should be appreciated every single day, but it's uh, worthy of extra appreciation on his birthday as he turns 34 years old and will continue to kick ass going into the future, I'm sure, because he's Kyle Lowry and kicking ass is kind of the thing he does. Uh, all right, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Hope everyone's staying safe out there. Hope everyone is uh, coping well with what's going on, and hopefully we're offering 
here at the podcast, a little bit of reprieve in your days of watching the horrible, horrible news and all that stuff. Uh, so be safe, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well. You can uh, subscribe to this show, support it, rate it, review it, all that stuff, wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, you can do that with all the other Lockdown podcast shows as well. It's extremely appreciated when you do take that small amount of time to Leave a nice little review or a rating. It's so helpful. Helps us in the rankings and all that stuff and with algorithms. And so thanks in advance for doing that. And remember, you can always listen to your shows on your smart speakers as well. Just tell your smart speaker to play podcast blocked on blank. It could be Blue Jays, Maple Leafs, MLB, whatever it is. Tell your smart speaker to play the podcast and it will start playing for you in your home. And it will resonate throughout your uh, your quarantine den, wherever it is that you are. Uh, all right, that will do it. We will talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Block. On Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 